Welcome everyone to a new episode of the podcast, <clears throat> Self-Evolution Regardless. And in today's episode, we'll be talking about 20 signs you might be in a toxic rela- romantic relationship. So without any further ado, this is inspired from loveaddictionhelp.com. And I have been inspired by this website for several episode topics and the person writing the articles on the website is, is is a psychotherapist and they know what they're talking about and they're pretty much experts on this and they've also written um, a couple of books on self-help and growth and um, self-love from the narcissistic abuse. I forgot their name, sorry, <laughs> but you should check it out. Number one, you constantly feel hurt by his or her behavior choices. Number two, you want him or her to change, but change never occurs, and if it does, it's short-lived, so pretty much, lived, sorry, it's short-lived, so pretty much like for a period of a couple of days or weeks they change slightly and then the same patterns the same critical judgments the same devaluation happens all over again and it's just the same number three you suffer in silence often feel lonely unsupported unheard unimportant or invisible Especially in like social events, they make sure you feel invisible because they're interacting with everyone and they're not giving you much attention. And that makes you feel hurt, 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 hurt. I was going to say hurting. It's going to make you feel hurt and it's going to put you in a position where you're just going to be silenced. And you're not really given much attention to Number four, your relationship feels off balance. Mm-hmm. There's a constant push-pull dance. Push-pull, push-pull. <laughs> Where one gets close, the pursuer, and the other pushes away, the distancer, and these roles may switch at times. Pretty much, let's say, they alternate pretty frequently. So you might be the pusher, the narcissist is the puller when they love bomb you, and they might be the pusher when you're pursuing them when they're devaluing you or literally, literally even discarding you. So the switches, uh, the roles switch, and it's painful. Number five, you constantly run into the same conflicts or arguments. Fights and nothing ever seems to be resolved. Money problems, problems about going out with whom, taking what, eating what, drinking what, wearing whatever. Just the simple stuff that is complicated and the same sort of arguments and fights repeat. And the problem with those fights and arguments is the fact that nothing changes afterwards. Like, the same thing happens. If you argue with a narcissist over how much money they spend, for example, on a di- on a night out, um, they're going to argue, they're going to gaslight you, they're going to pretty much put you in a position where 
we're going crazy and then next weekend it's the same thing just they're gonna spend a lot of money on the night out and if you're gonna fight for it you're gonna have an argument and nothing changes number six you feel like you don't really matter to him or her that you someone you are you are somehow you somehow don't measure up yeah you're not really enough pretty much for the narcissist you don't measure up you're not good enough you're not fat enough you're not slim enough you're not rich enough you're not poor enough you're nothing enough you don't you never measure up number seven more often than not you live in a state of unease tension and or deliberation and this is pretty much the post-traumatic stress disorder when you constantly live under stress and anxiety and your body can even suffer from symptoms that show that you are anxious like you might have constant abrupt sudden diarrhea out of nowhere or you might throw up out of nowhere or you might have constant headaches you know your body can even express itself during the stressful period eight no matter how much time effort and energy you put into bettering the relationship it does not good it does no good number nine you often feel like you're the enemy Nothing you ever do or say seems to be enough in the eyes of your partner. Number 10. You feel like he or she wants you to be or act like someone you're not. Dress, talk, eat, etc. He or she may belittle or control you to conform. And they do this by repeating the messages that they tell you. Like, they want you to be slimmer. They'll tell you about Kendall Jenner and how slim she is and how her body is awesome and how everybody likes her because she's thin. Or they, if, if she wants you to be handsome, she'll tell you, you better look, look, look at Channing Tatum and he's such a hot guy and everyone loves him and he's so powerful and he's so confident and he's so sexy and every single woman loves him and then you're feeling really jealous but also like angry and you want to make changes to impress your girlfriend but obviously it's never going to be enough so number 11 jealousy or possessiveness is prominent example becomes Sorry, becomes angry and or controlling when you spend time with friends or family. Or look at or talk to certain people while while you're in there. And that's something I extremely, extremely hate. So, like, whenever you're spending some time with your family or friends, it suddenly appears, you know... It's suddenly zen, you know, it becomes the right time for them to call you, message you, text you four times, ten times straight. And you have to isolate yourself and uh, pick up the phone and answer. 
in the middle, right in the middle of, for example, like a good time when, that you're having with your family or friends. Twelve, you constantly long for your partner to understand that his or her behaviors are tearing you upside. He or she never does. Empathy is low to non-existent. Absolutely. But it's never really worth it because no matter how hard you try to make your partner understand how his or her behaviors are tearing you up, you know, they just don't care. They're going to keep blaming it on you and they're going to put you in charge of their misbehavior and their misconduct. Which is never going to make it any change. And plus, you know, the emphasis is on the fact that they don't have empathy. They don't even show it. They don't even fake it. Because they don't have any and they can't... They don't know the concept of empathy. They've never been taught that. So don't expect much from these people. 13. You constantly convince yourself that things will get better. That positive change is right around the corner and it never happens. Because that's where you'll get to this point where you're staying longer in a relationship for the false hope that one day things are going to change and you're going to live happily ever after and then your relationship is going to be awesome and you're going to be loving each other. But day in and day out, you know, nothing really changes. And it's just the same thing. And you're hoping for this change day, day after day, week after week, month after month. And you're left with time passing by to only realize after so long that you just had a very empty relationship. Sorry to tell you that. 14. You feel like you can never be yourself. You walk on eggshells. Or tend to monitor or think twice about anything you say or do. Oh my god. And this happens a lot. But luckily, I was very quickly, uh, you know, I was quickly able to discern or detect those red flags. And, you know, once I saw myself doing this, exactly feeling like I can never be myself and have to walk on eggshells every time and have to think twice and even three times before I say or do anything, I was exhausted. I was dead tired and just, I said to myself, you know what, this has to stop. I can't continue with this partner. And remember, remember that episode I talked about being in a romantic relationship with a narcissist? I think it was titled like this. Go ahead and check it out because that's a personal story about this. And it's a, it's a detailed story time. <laughs> so if you want to enjoy, uh, you know, if you enjoy story times, I have a few, I have confessions, I have, um, being in a romantic relationship with a narcissist, 
and um, stupid mistake turned into drama. Those are a few story times that I have. Uh, there are more in the future. I don't know. We'll see. Number 15. When you express positive emotions, like happiness, feel good about yourself, or take some action that can contribute to your health, well-being, or even intelligence, he or she over overtly or covertly condemns you. Like, they will either obviously... In a direct way, they will condemn you, they will put you down, or passive-aggressively will do so. And that's pretty damaging, because that shows you that even your partner is envious, not just jealous, envious of you. They don't want you to be happy when they're mad, you know? Remember the enmeshment? Oh my god, I just remembered... Oh, I have to record an episode on enmeshment and I haven't yet. Oh my god. Shit. Okay, I will. I'll try. I'll try to gather as much content as I can as soon as possible and I'll, I'll record it. Cause I've been saying that I'll record it for a long time, but, um, I just prepared a lot of other content and I will dedicate some time for it, I promise. <laughs> so, uh, where, where were we at? Right, so either they will obviously condemn you or in a passive-aggressive way will put you down and devalue you. Because you should never feel good about yourself when they're mad because you have to be enmeshed to their emotions. See? Number... And we'll talk about that further in the episode itself of enmeshment. Number 17... You never or very rarely receive expressed appreciation or gratitude from him or her. And this is what I, what I actually talked about this in detail in the episode Breadcrumbing. And it's inspired by Dr. Romani. And he pretty much, pretty much, uh, says this, but in a more detailed way. So I encourage you to listen to that episode. Um, so, you never ever or hardly ever actually receive expressed appreciation or gratitude when you do something good for them. But it's always, you ha- you always have to show them the gratitude and love and genuine care for them. But the, the rule doesn't apply to them. Number 18. You feel relief whenever you do something that generates even a crumb of validation or approval from him or her, instigating just enough hope to keep hanging on. And this is pretty much the same concept, actually, the breadcrumbing. You feel relief whenever you do something that generates even a crumb of validation or approval from him or her because you're you're so starved of love and care and attention that all you're gathering is crumbs of bread that they give you. And they don't constantly give you those crumbs of bread. They're not even consistent when they give you those crumbs of validation and appreciation, you know. You're starved and you're about to die, but you're always looking for those crumbs that'll make you have one more breath at least before you die. So, yeah, 
It's the concept of breadcrumbing with narcissists. Because they're self-centered and they don't care about you, so yeah. Number 19, if you communicate your needs, wants, feelings, vulnerability, he or she responds with anger, resentment, or keen silence. Eventually, you shut down and give up communicating anything at all with them. Because at this point, you're demanding from the narcissist to understand what your needs, wants, and feelings are, and how they should respect them, but clearly they're not giving you any sort of attention, and they don't want you to give you any sort of attention, because the attention must be on them the whole time, the world revolves around them, so why the hell even bother? They're going to be angry, they're going to be uncomfortable, they're going to put you in uncomfortable situations, they might even gaslight you, and the whole... The whole, you know, um, devaluation actions begin. The pattern of behavior of devaluation, you know, uh, breaks loose. All hell breaks loose. Sorry. Number, number 20. Increasingly, you and your, you and or friends or family members wonder why you're not the same fun, relaxed, happy-go-lucky, confident woman or man you once were. Yeah, because the longer you stay with this person, the longer you have to wear this mask that um, has to enmesh with their temper. So the longer you wear that mask, the more and more distant you become from your authentic self and the more and more you wear this false self in you and the less your friends and family and the people who appreciate you in general you know they that the less they will see that happiness joy spontaneity and confidence that you once had and that's how narcissists destroy you 21, I don't know why I repeated 19 and 20 here, but it seems I have 21 pieces of advice. Uh, I mean, signs, I, so, it feels as though, 21, it feels as though your needs, wants, thoughts, or feelings don't matter to him or her. If at any time... They seem to matter. A hidden motive is usually is usually behind it. Oh my god. The motive. The motive behind if something matters to the narcissist, it's only because it's convenient for them. So it's only convenient it'll only matter to the narcissist if there is a purpose behind it, if there's a motive behind it, if it actually encourages them to get something out of it. There's always that question of what's in it for me, you know? So, basically, basically, there has, there always has to be a hidden motive that they're seeking. So, single in a toxic relationship. It would not likely be worth putting your energy and time into saving it, believe me. No, not at all. Move on and perhaps run fast, especially if he or she is abusive, narcissistic, psychopathic, or avoidant, 
and has no intention or commitment to make changes. You would do yourself a favor by breaking away, grieve the fantasy, get a whole lot of support, and focus on your personal growth. You can't fix or change a toxic partner. Believe me, you can't. That's who they are. That's what they've been doing to other people before you. They've met you, so you can't change them. In a toxic marriage, which is even worse, seek help through couples counseling. And likely individual counseling, counseling like individual counseling for each partner, for each spouse, which would allow the both of you to heal from unresolved relational wounds, as well as to learn how to care and nurture, effectively communicate, and respect each other as dignified and loving human beings. Try this if and only if there is no threat of harm or physical violence occurring in the relationship by a toxic partner. Now, there is a difference, obviously, between what toxic love is and what healthy love is. Toxic love brings hurt and distress. Feeling unstable and chaotic. Between parentheses, 90% of the time, if not the whole, if not all of it. And degrades emotional health and well-being. That's what toxic love does. More, but these are the main things. Healthy love, though. Healthy love brings fulfillment to each partner. Brings comfort to both. Feels safe and secure. And promotes emotional health and well-being for each partner and for both at the same time. You see the difference? Between toxic and healthy love, toxic drains you, exhausts you. It brings hurt, distress, the emotions are unstable and chaotic, and degrades emotional health and destroys well-being. While healthy love actually builds emotional health and promotes well-being. The emotions are safety and security. And comfort and fulfillment are the fundamental pillars of the love relationship. And that's the big difference between what a toxic love is and what a healthy love is. So, you see these signs, bear in mind that these signs are extremely dangerous and they will destroy you in the long run. If you have any sort of awareness or acknowledgement... Or, or like any ability to detect any of these signs, leave. Run for your life, and the sooner the better, okay? Because, I mean, how long are you going to stay with this person hoping for some change someday? That's never going to happen. You're going to have to face the reality. Stop gaslighting yourself into thinking that this person will change one day miraculously. You can't change this person. Unfortunately, this is who they have been their whole life. This has started from childhood. And they have been probably victims of abuse themselves, and they use narcissistic tendencies to, as a defense mechanism. 
so that's what they have been using all their life you know so all in all this is the end of the episode i hope you got something out of this episode today and i really hope you enjoyed listening and got informed of these dangerous signs of what a toxic relationship you know might have um so i hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as i enjoyed recording it if you have any will intention or desire to help keep this podcast alive to have it thrive and be successful and continue producing quality content more episodes and more interesting topics for you guys please don't hesitate to support it it would be very much appreciated i'll be very forever grateful for even 99 cents donated for the success of the podcast um and you'll be shouted out if you want to in the next episode with your name or otherwise if you'd like to be kept anonymous i'll make sure you're anonymous just saying you know so like this podcast comment share subscribe you know you know the drill just engage more with the podcast it really really helps with the podcast thriving and being successful and i'll see you in the next episode